And welcome in to this edition of the Grind on Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my teammate, Mr. Ben Metz. He's right there. And then right to my this way is the one and only Tony Iruli, uh, assistant football coach at Carson Newman University at the current moment, uh, but a tenured college football coach in the profession. Uh, the names of uh, Jimbo Fisher, the names of uh, Bowden, those top names are in the lineage of Coach Tony, I really coach. Uh, thanks for the time, as always. Uh, another rendition here on the grind. Well, it's great being with you guys, and uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk sports and football. And uh, you know, anytime I get that chance, to, instead of coming home and watching the the uh, home network the shows and all that, they, this is this is a good thing for me right now. Well, coach, uh, not to not to let you down, but but you do have the XFL coming up, so I know that's that's probably high on your list. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no way, I don't have to watch hours of soccer or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, but coach, uh, again, you've been on the, the our radio show prior to the podcast game. Uh, you were on that multiple times, and we had a lot of great conversation. We may rehash some of those stories. I think they're good ones, so you might as well. Uh, get the mileage out of, uh, but uh, going to talk a a little bit about, you know, real-time football, uh, but really uh, look back a little bit on your, on your, your history and on your, your career there. Uh, But I guess the, the big thing is, is uh, a, were you pulling for the chiefs or the, uh, or the Eagles this past Sunday? I was pulling for the chiefs. I just like the chiefs. I I like their, the head coach and the, the the players that they have there, and you know half of my family was pulling for the Eagles. I mean, so it was it was a you know good uh, game. I mean, it was exciting. I just kind of hated the way it ended with having a little. You know, I was pulling for the Chiefs, but I, being a defensive coach, I hated that uh, that pass interference call. I mean, that was such a non type of call in that type of situation. It didn't uh, impede the route. The ball was about eight nine yards overthrown, and I hated for it to kind of end up like that. But I thought it was an outstanding game, uh, two outstanding quarterbacks, and uh, it was is what you wanted in the Super Bowl. Okay, so we have nine questions now, Coach, to ask you. Okay, that, that was one of them. So, uh, yes, well, like, yes. I guess kind of looking at that play, and and really, I, I think you know, in that game, uh, there there was there was arguable, uh, questionable catches and different things like that. Uh, and that's football, so, you know. But how sometimes much you get the ball, sometimes you don't. Correct, but but how much uh, as a coach uh, does it just kind of bother you uh, that a game could be decided on on a one call like that? Well, that bothered me, and like I said, I was pulling for the Chiefs because you know, like I mentioned earlier, that you know, yeah, they kind of ran into each other. It was within the five yard uh, area. Uh, he moved away. There's a slight tug right there, but it didn't disrupt the route. I mean, the receiver still. Broke away. It was a, a long type of pull or tug at the, the shirt. I mean, I, really, I, I can't see how that referee was even able to see that. And then, you know, then the, the receiver went down the sideline and it was ball was eight, nine yards overthrown. And so, uh, you know, so as a defensive coach, that would bother me. As a Chiefs fan, yeah, fine. But, you know, I just, <laughs> I was looking at it as a football coach. I just hated the uh, uh, that type of call being made at that type of time. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, you guys coach, agree with uh, that? Or? Yeah, Coach, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I played a lot of cornerback 
uh, when I was in high school. Sure. And I thought about exactly what you just said, uh, jo the job that a cornerback has nowadays. It's a difficult job with RPO. Um, you know, you got that five yards. Uh, you got quarterbacks that they have mobility back there in the pocket. Um, so when that play happened, I kind of had the same feelings as you did. Um, so, so with the changes in the game, the evolution of the RPO, um, and being a defensive coach, like coaching those defensive ends and linebackers, mm -hmm. have you kind of changed the way you coach those players? Where, where, where it really affects, like to me, is 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 really your 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 linebackers, uh, because you know your dip buckets, your your singletary. Uh, Tony, I really type of linebackers that you're going to step up and plug the holes. Uh, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of fade away. I mean, most of your your linebackers type are really more like strong safeties. They're not quite as big, but uh, you know, we would used to line our, up our linebackers three and a half, four yards off the line of scrimmage. Now we move our linebackers up to five uh, from the line of scrimmage, and we, you know, with the RPOs, you know, you know the quarterback he's really reading the linebacker. You know, if that linebacker goes with the flow, the quarterback's going to pass. If the linebacker sets, then he's going to go ahead and give the, the ball to the running back. And so what we've had to teach our linebackers to do is deepen their stance, you know, kind of slow down their first initial movement and then uh, react to the ball. And so it's a lot, you know, so your big, thick linebackers who's used to stepping up in the A and B gaps all the time, it, uh, you know, He's going to have a hard time competing with those type of routes, with those type of uh, offensive philosophy. So that, to me, that's been the biggest change. You know, a lot of defenses now they're using five defensive backs. You know, we got packages where we're using, you know, three linemen and uh, three linebackers and five defensive backs. So we have what when we go to our four-three package, we have what we call our fox defensive end, which is a kind of a tweener, a tweener between a linebacker and a defensive lineman where he's agile enough where he can go ahead and drop back in pass coverage, but still quick enough to go in and rush off the edge. So, you know, as offenses changes, you know, defenses have to adapt. And uh, that's, it makes, believe me, it's made, made it a lot more challenging uh, on the defensive side of things. So, so I've, huh, I always thought, oh. so when, when Laura calls me a Fox, I could, you think I could play that position? Well, you know, she might be meaning something else, which maybe we shouldn't get that type of discussion on the show here. All uh, right. Maybe. So I don't want to get followed that type of stuff. I was so, going to uh, say. So Fox or Foxy, I'm not quite sure. But, uh, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, that, that's really turned into your hybrid uh, linebacker slash defense alignment where, uh, you know, now that, that Fox end can go ahead and line up as a defensive end, but then stop ball, he's dropping back in, in coverage and, competing against a running back or wide receiver. So he's got to be more of an athlete to do that. So does it, does it make those, uh, those tweener guys, this is kind of off, off the pattern, but yeah. does this make some of those tweener guys that maybe are, they're a little undersized to be a defensive lineman, but really not quick enough to be, uh, to be a defensive back. Does it, does it make it difficult to make a path for those kind of guys in today's game? Well, it, you know, now, now we specifically look, for that type of guy, you know, where, you know, if we, you know, if we need to find a guy that's athletic enough that can rush off the edge, but still fast, you know, now instead of you've got defense alignment and linebackers, now you're kind of looking for that tweener type of guy that can kind of do both. It's so, about so that it's, lateral it's, quickness it's, type thing. Yeah. And being, yeah, being able to uh, uh, get out of your stance and drop back and compete 
with the wide receivers, obviously it's, you're not going to be using those guys to cover the deep third or anything like that, but be able to uh, aggressively uh, cover someone man coverage. But at the same time, you know, we might use that Fox and line them up as uh, paired up against the number two wide receiver, then rush them off the edge. And so he's got to be fast enough to be able to get pressure on the quarterback coming off the edge, uh, disguising your type of coverage. So, so and coach, our defensive coordinator, Carson Newman, uh, Larry Slade, I mean, he does a, a great job of these type of concepts. And he's always working us, and he, we're always trying to evolve and make it just a, a, you know, a little bit better, a little bit more understanding. You know, when we first started putting our defensive package under Coach Slade, you know, a lot of the guys were, were kind of confused because they never had really been, been a, involved in that type of coverage. And so as we've gone into it and as our defense has developed, you know, then our guys are able to understand it a lot more quicker than it was, you know, several years ago. Coach Slade's got uh, – he's got a little big orange in his past too, so that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a cool I mean, guy I mean, there. Coach Slade, I mean, Larry, he's, he's, he's probably – the, the best defense coach I've ever been around. I mean, I mean, he's, uh, uh, you know, he, for, for a while there, I mean, he was not the, but the secondary coach in the country, you know, with his time when he was the secondary coach at Washington, at Texas A&M, and then, you know, the five, six years he was over at uh, at Tennessee. I mean, you know, you know, he had a whole bunch of NFL guys uh, coming from his coaching ability and all that. So, you know, whenever coach says something, you know, I'm, believe me, I'm listening. Well, Coach, uh, talk about people you've been around, and I think that's a heavy statement. And we're we're about to find out why. Uh, how does a how does an Italian guy uh, from from uh, basically Florida uh, make his way to Maryville, Tennessee? I know it's been a winding road, <laughs> uh, but talk uh, talk about yeah. from uh, from high school state championship times to now. Well, uh, you know, growing up, uh, you know, my my family, my mom and my brothers, uh, we uh, moved down to. Uh, uh, an island off of Sarasota Brainton called Longboat Key, where my grandparents had uh, uh, moved down there in the late 50s. And we moved down there around 65, and my mother remarried, and had and my sister was born a couple years later. But we really had a great family in terms of, uh, you know, we, we grew up playing baseball and football. I mean, you know, we caught the bus at 7.30 in the morning. At 7 a.m., we were at, at a uh, field right next to our house. We were either playing baseball or football, depending on the type of the year. Then when we'd come home, we'd play baseball, football uh, with the, the neighborhood kids. And so my, my brothers and I, you know, we were always around sports and athletics. And uh, so, you know, we went ahead and went to Cardinal Mooney High School in Sarasota, won the state championship in 72. I had an outstanding career. I played baseball as well. I was probably a better baseball player than a football player. And uh, so I, I played uh, both sports along with my brothers. So, you know, we, we grew up, you know, from – uh, the little league era to the youth football era to the high school era. My brothers and I, there was always the I really brothers. And then I uh, graduated from a uh, high school uh, science, science scholarship to Manatee junior college uh, in the Brainton, Florida, where, you know, it was just a great experience there. Uh, you know, give you an idea, you know, we had a, you know, we were Pee Wee Reese who played for the Dodgers and son Mark Reese was on our team. And so uh, I remember Mark and I going to the, the baseball field once one Sunday afternoon, and all of a sudden his dad uh, shows up, and uh, I'm, I'm on the mound pitching to Mark. Then all of a sudden, here comes Pee Wee. He comes up and says, "Hey Tony, throw me some pitches." And so here I'm standing on the mound throwing batting practice to Pee Wee Reese, wow. and it's like the the scene from The Natural. I says, "Yeah," I'm saying, "Please don't hit him. Please don't hit him." I <laughs> was so, uh, yeah, I was a a great experience, and so uh, I uh, injured my shoulder. I hit three ten my my freshman year at the junior college, 
And uh, I remember my very first college pitch thrown to me, I hit a home run. And so uh, so uh, then I later injured my shoulder. Then we ended up going to uh, Maryville College because, you know, if I, I saw that baseball was not going to be my future, I, I really thought that I would want they want to be a football coach because the, the two big influences in my life was uh, uh, Bob Smithers and John Heath, who were my high school coaches at uh, Carnegie Mooney High School. And so uh, I wanted to go to a place where I could play football. My best friend, Mike Smith, is going to Maryville College. So by going to Maryville, I knew I could play both baseball and football, being a Division three program. And uh, that's what I did. And, and uh, we had some outstanding teams at uh, Maryville College, great friends, uh, friendships that still last today. And uh, obviously the most important thing I did was was uh, meeting my wife, Carol, and we uh, like, you got to get that in, Coach. Don't, don't gotta get that one in. You know, you know, we uh, <laughs> you know we just celebrated our forty seventh uh, uh, Valentine's Day together. You know, we you know, we we met as a as freshmen, started dating right right away, and uh, we knew from the very beginning that we were meant for each other. And so uh, you know, we went ahead and and graduated from Maryville College. Uh, you know, had, you know had great careers in both baseball and football. I think my overall. Uh, a career batting average in baseball was a uh, was a uh, hit like 387 overall. Hit hit uh, a grand slam against the University of Tennessee one Ooh. time. Uh, hit uh, he, he continues to remind me of that Ben. And he used the university. Thing. He used the yeah. University of Tennessee. He made sure to just put the whole line out there for us. That's well, right. <laughs> That's right. Just wanted to just want to remind the two two UT guys I'm talking about. And uh, you know, the, my my I think it was my junior year. I had four grand slams in one year. I hit two against. Uh, I hit a double header against Tennessee Tech. I hit one in each of them, and then I had another one in the game later on. So had a good career there. Football, love football. We uh, had still have the all time win this uh, four year period in Maryville College history, uh, playing on some great teams. And uh, Steve Fickard and Jim Jordan were our head coaches, and it was just a great experience. And hey, Coach, then, uh, uh, let me let me interject right there because I thought uh, in a previous show you you shared this, and I think most of the yeah. listeners wouldn't know this. Uh, how you go from Florida to Maryville College? We didn't have all the the small colleges in between Florida and Maryville no. back in the day, correct? No, that's right. I mean, it, basically, if you played ball in Florida, if you didn't go to Florida, Florida State, Miami, Bethune Cookman, uh, Florida A and M, you had to go out of state. And in Georgia, all they had was Georgia, Georgia Tech, Albany State. And I think that was it. I mean, so there was no Valdosta State. There was no uh, uh, Georgia Southern. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so the amount of talent we had on our football team at Maryville was outstanding. About half the team uh, on a, uh, at Maryville College at that time were from Florida. because we, Or New Jersey, right? Or, or New Jersey. We had <laughs> New Jersey. Those were our two big areas. And uh, it, was, it was just from Florida guy, there was just nowhere to go. And so Maribel was really the closest small college football that was available to someone coming from from, uh, from Florida. So we had a whole bunch of kids from Miami. We had, guys, had kids from Key West. We had kids from Sarasota, Brandon, Tampa, Gainesville, Ocala. I mean, going up there to a Maribel college. And, that, you know, so not only were the players from there, but it was talented players. Again, it, it's it's like – the next step, you know, was those five schools in Florida. Then you had to go out of state at a at a, a Division two or Division three program. And so uh, my best friend Mike Smith, uh, 
uh, he, uh, he and I grew up together uh, at, played together at Cardinal Mooney High School. He told me he was going to uh, uh, to Maryville College. He was transferring from Lee's McRae. So I, he said, Tony, you're coming with me. I said, okay. So that's how I, that's how I went up there. And, uh, you know, just, it was, a, it was just, just, just a great time. You know, you know, met, met Carol. I had a, always had to be a good guy because Carol's father was, L.J. Hurst was the head security guard at, at Maryville College. So I had to make sure I behaved myself. And uh, <laughs> which, you know, at times, uh, you know, I don't know how I did it, but I did. But, uh, but, but, but it, makes you stronger. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, my brother Dave uh, went up there and played a couple of years, played baseball there for a couple of years. But like I said, the experience is great. And still my, Closest friends, you know, Barry Mathis, you know, you guys probably know Barry, David Evans, Derek Evans, father were teammates of mine. I've got uh, great Tim Tim Topham from this area as well. Just great people from this area uh, that played at Maryville College and lifelong friends. So, a couple couple questions I got for you, coach, off that experience you had um, there is number one, I played baseball and football. I've, I've scored a touchdown and I've hit a home run. So I'm always curious from, from former athletes on this question. You probably know where I'm headed with this. Which one did you enjoy more in reflection when you hit when you hit when you would hit a home run versus when you would score a touchdown? Which one which one just meant more to you from an athlete's perspective? Well, I, I would say, I mean, uh, linebacker. I didn't I didn't uh, score very many touchdowns. <laughs> All right, <laughs> except when I was in high school. Uh, because to me, football is such so much of a, of a team type of sport, you know, just the accolades, the, the, the great memories you have, you know, during practices or, uh, you know, in the locker room and, uh, you know, your camaraderie with, with your, your teammates. But obviously, you know, like, like I said, I mean, you know, hitting that grand slam against Tennessee, uh, you know, was uh, the university of Tennessee. I mean, all right. <laughs> and that's, you know, those are things like, like that, those, that one big moment where it's really just you rounding the bases and uh, just, you know, I just love, uh, I, I love both sports. Like I said, I was probably a better baseball player than, than football, but I knew deep down I want to eventually be a football coach. And that was probably the main reason why I ended up going to Merrill because I wanted to play football. I felt like in order to be a football coach and my dream was being a high school coach. All right. I needed to play college football and that was the route I went. Now Pee Wee Reese, he was a scrappy hitter. So you had to pitch against him. How did that? How did that at bat go? It, it was good. I mean, I mean, he's dressed in, in uh, like, uh, you know, just kind of loafers. He's got a little those little, little round golfing hats around, you know, and he just picks up a background. And every time I threw to him, it was like a line drive. You know, uh, you know, here's a double in the gap, all that, just sweet swing and all that world. Mark and I, you know, being two young guys, you know, we just, you know, we just try to muscle up and, and try to hit and crush the ball every time we swung the bat. But <laughs> he, we were, he was just such a smooth uh, swing and all that. And, uh, you know, lots, you know, my lifetime, that's one of the great memories I have is that, that uh, hour I had throwing batting practice to Pee Wee Reese and thanking God every single day. I, I never hit him in the head because he wasn't wearing a helmet. <laughs> so, so, so every time I see that movie, uh, the field of dreams and he's he's pitching to shoeless joe jackson what goes to my mind is me pitching against pb reese and all that so coach all american campaign there uh at maryville college and uh and and then you 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 take off coaching uh again uh started in the college ranks uh kind of pick up i believe uh first stop was missouri correct no no i started off carol and i got married in in in, uh, june of 1980 
All right. Uh, one month later, after a great vacation, Las Vegas and Yellowstone, you know, we spent one week in Vegas. Yeah, the, right. the park, not the show, right? <laughs> yeah, no, the show. We were in Vegas. I mean, we were in the uh, MGM Grand and seeing all the big shows, Tony Bennett, Steve Martin, uh, 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 Frank Sinatra, all those people like that. Then the last week we're in Yellowstone where – we're, we're looking at moose, hoping that they're not chasing us like one did. <laughs> I mean, so, uh, you know, so that was our honeymoon. Then about two weeks later, you know, Carol and I, we load up the, the car and uh, we go. I took a, a graduate assistant job at Bowling Green State University in Ohio. Bowling Green, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, for the uh, the Mighty Falcons, Ziggy Ziggy Zumba. All right. And uh, spent a, uh, a season there. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, while we were there during the fall, Carol uh, uh, becomes pregnant with our, our firstborn, Anthony. And, AJ, uh, you know, AJ. like, AJ, that's <laughs> right. And uh, we, and, but, you know, you know, I was making a, a great salary of 212 bucks a month being a GA. Carol got a teaching position. She, you know, you know, we didn't know how, how we were going to make it, you know, financially. And uh, Carol ran into a superintendent who, in line of a, like a Walmart or a grocery store. And just talking to him in line, and he asked her to uh, come on by for an interview. Carol got the interview and uh, got the job. So, uh, so that was you know, so she supported really me through my first several years as a coach. So, so anyway, uh, Carol uh, is pregnant with AJ, and then in January I get the job at Missouri uh, as, a, as what they call a part-time assistant, which is really full-time work but part-time pay, making five hundred dollars a month. So you know. I had to leave my my uh, four month pregnant wife in Bowling Green, Ohio, in northwestern uh, Ohio, where it's flat and snowy all the time, mm-hmm. to go to Missouri and be there for spring ball and spring practice and all that. I mean, oh, that was hard. And, you know, and you, just you to go along with what Coach is saying right here, I lived in Finley, Ohio, Coach, and uh, yeah. well, when he's yeah, talking sure. about snowing all the time, that's an understatement. So they're they're. <laughs> It is it is piles and piles of snow. Yeah, yeah that part of that part of uh, Ohio. I mean, there's no hills between Ohio and Iowa, between uh, from Iowa to uh, northwestern uh, uh, Ohio. I mean, it just it just flies right across. And so, I mean, there's deep snow drifts all the time. So I left my wife there to start my job there. And so, finally got through spring ball, and I picked uh, uh, Carol up. Uh, I got hired at the University of Missouri as a uh, as graduate uh, defensive line coach and went through spring ball, picked up Carol. We drove on over to uh, uh, Missouri, got settled in over there. Still, Carol had to find a teaching position. And uh, because I was making, you know, I, I got a great raise. I went from 200 bucks a month to $450 a month. I All mean, right. percentage-wise, that's great. Yeah. I, I, I doubled my salary. That's why I keep telling Carol <laughs> I doubled my salary. In fact, my first three years of coaching, my first three years of coaching, I made a total of twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, so you get so so what? You got twelve snowsuits in the closet, right? You know, there you go. (laughs) Dedication has to be there, right? Yeah. Uh, So, so talk about we talked. We've talked before about your time at Missouri and the the they were in the Big Eight conference at that time, correct? Yeah, Big Eight conference right there. Let me just finish with the story with Carol. So anyway, go Missouri for Carol. She gets a teaching position. She's eight months pregnant, and she's such a good, outstanding teacher. She gets a teaching position right there. We go back to Maryville to have uh, the the baby, the baby, 
all right, because she went to her family doctor and the baby was due, AJ was due the uh, the last of July. Well, for some reason, Carol decides that uh, the baby wasn't going to be born at that time. So she was like three and a half weeks overdue. All right. So I had to leave there to go back to practice for, for fall practice. First of September of uh, August, left my wife back in, in, in uh, Maryville. All right. Go through a week of uh, fall practice. We, we decided to have labor reduced on the 21st of August. All right. It's AJ's covered. born on the 21st of August. All right. And uh, uh, then uh, he, uh, what happens? Then uh, Carol and I, we drive back to Missouri with a, a one week old baby. She finds a babysitter in our area for a one week old baby. And uh, like 10 days after AJ's born, Carol's back teaching. You know, full time so and all she's that. She's the because, toughest I really, right? Yeah, yeah. Believe me, I'm not even close to her. But you know, that's because that was our only income, and uh, you know, God bless her for that. So she reminds me every now and then, and I just smile and say, "Okay, yes, I'll, I'll buy you this nice ring for you because you deserve yes, it." Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, but uh, oh. you know, going to Missouri, we were back in the Big Eight. I mean, that was in the heyday of the Big Eight. We had we had Oklahoma with Barry Switzer, uh, and and. Uh, you know, Tom Osborne, Tom Osborne at Nebraska. Uh, we had uh, 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 oh, uh, what, what's his name? The uh, at Oklahoma State uh, used to be the head coach of Miami. Uh, uh, the, the he's on TV all the time. Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, he was at Oklahoma State, and so yeah. I mean, there were just great <laughs> coaches that are going on in Nebraska. I mean, it, I mean, they were so loaded with, you know, they had. Uh, uh, Turner Gill at quarterback. They had Roger Craig, Heisman Trophy winner at tailback. His his backup was a uh, uh, was a uh, Mike Rogier. I'm sorry, Mike Rogier was the Heisman Trophy winner. Roger Craig, who was the great running back for the 49ers, he was the backup. And, and then you got Dave Remington, who's the Remington Award winner, award named after. I mean, he's the center. I mean, so I mean, it was just unbelievable. And going to those places was just unbelievable as well. And uh, so so I was there for two years as a graduate coach. Then I finally, my time was up there and finally got my first full-time job. All right. We went from university to Missouri to Salem college in West Virginia. <laughs> so, so I went from you know, $2,000 $2, a year at, uh, at, at Bowling Green to $5,000 a year at Missouri to now I, I'm just making $10,000 a year at Salem college. So everywhere I'm going, I'm doubling my salary. I mean, your sales are going up. I, I tell you what, my agent, he he was really good for me. And so, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I go up there and a uh, uh, guy that helped me out was Art Ogden. He used to be the head coach of Maryville College. He was up there on staff as well. And Terry Bowden was the head football coach, Bobby Bowden's son. Uh, he was 26 years old. I was 23 years old. And oh, wow. uh, Salem College is, is stuck in the mountains of, of uh, West Virginia between uh, – uh, Clarksburg and Parkersburg, uh, 500 people live in the, the entire town. Uh, when the Dairy Queen closed for the wintertime, that was uh, one third of the restaurants in, in the Salem that had closed down. And uh, so, but we had 500 in the entire school and we had great football players. I mean, those were the days when you had NAIA football where, uh, you know, we would get guys that would transfer from division one schools into our place and uh, be successful we get kids that uh, academically couldn't quite their, their grades wasn't strong enough for them to go to four year NCAA school. So, so they went to Salem 
And uh, so we, we just got some great teams. Uh, we went to the national playoffs my last two years there, two, two years there. Our quarterback for our second and third year was a guy named Jimbo Fisher. You know, Jimbo uh, you know, was our quarterback, great quarterback for us. I mean, if he was a six foot one, six foot two quarterback, he would have been a division one guy, but he's a five foot nine, five foot 10 quarterback. And, uh, but uh, he uh, uh, just uh, was a very uh, outstanding quarterback along with the rest of our players. Our, our last year at Salem school of 500. All right. We had six guys drafted in the NFL draft. That's when they still had, I think 16 rounds or 14 rounds in the NFL draft. So, oh, you know, we, we had a, that's we had a lot of talent on that team and, you know, we just had great success there. Mm. And catch my and, breath. So Jimbo, uh, was he, it doesn't surprise me. He was a signal caller. He likes to talk. Yeah. He like that's yeah. <laughs> he likes, he, he likes control. Well, Jimbo played at Clarksburg, West Virginia. And he, in fact, he went to Clemson his first year, uh, to play baseball. And I don't, you know, he may not have made the team or something like that, decided to come back. And so uh, I recruited Clarksburg and I told Terry that, you know, that, you know, he's back. So we went after him and convinced him to come to, he was looking at going possibly to Fairmont state, but we convinced him to come to uh, the, the, the metropolis of Salem, West Virginia. And so he went there and, uh, you know, he, you know, we ended up winning, uh, uh, eight or nine games every, those last two years there and went to the national playoffs each year and really had great success. Wow. Good deal. Hmm. Good deal. So, Coach, uh, then from from Salem, is that is that when you followed Terry to Sanford? Not quite. Had had, one, had a two year intermission. So what Terry did, he left to go Sanford from uh, from Maryville to become a, 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 the head coach at Akron under Jerry Faust for two years. That's he was it. Coach there. Were they the Zips at that time, or did they change? Had they? What, what's that? Were they the Zips still yeah. then? Yeah, they were the Zips back then, and so uh, so. For two years, Terry realized he didn't like being an assistant coach. So, uh, so in the meantime, I went to a place called Susquehanna University oh, yeah. in the middle of Pennsylvania, which we really had a great time up there. You know, Carol and I went up there. We had, had our, our our daughter, at, uh, Katie, at, in Salem, and so we went up there to uh, uh, Susquehanna uh, that, University. That is, uh, it's on the national spelling bee. I would assume every year, <laughs> the Susquehanna River, north of Harrisburg. I think and I had some Susquehanna last night with mashed potatoes and gravy, but uh, I'm not sure. You know. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, but it's it's a great time. We had a great time there for two years. I was not only the uh, I was a defensive coordinator and also the uh, head baseball coach there. And oh, so your uh, money got real big then. That's that's right. I think I went to sixteen thousand dollars, and, so, uh, and so and uh, so went up there. Had a blast. Uh, you know, you know those those guys are a little nervous because they had a. Uh, an Italian fiery uh, head coach as baseball, you know, first time that everyone, anyone's ever saw baseball players do up downs for missing the ball. And so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but no, we, we were real successful. We won the championship. I think two out of three years I was there football. Uh, we went from a, uh, a it, it was kind of funny what, when I was at Maribel college, my freshman year, the year before Maribel college did not win a game and they went, my freshman year went seven, won seven games. At the time, that was the biggest turnover ever in Division Three history. So I go up to Susquehanna, and I think I think the first year, uh, the year before I got there, they had only won two games. Well, then we won ten games uh, my that first year, and we broke the record, which was Maryville's record for the biggest turnaround from one season 
by winning eight games in one year, uh, the turnover. So, uh, so you know, so we had some great teams, great players there. Rocky Reese was the head football coach, best coach, big, one of the most dearest friends I've ever been around. It was the head football coach there. And so I was up there for two years. Then Terry gets a job at uh, at uh, at uh, Sanford University and called me to, to go down there to be the uh, linebacker coach and uh, the uh, recruiting coordinator at uh, at uh, Sanford, which was just a great experience, you know, with, you know, with the six, seven years that we spent there in Alabama. Well, and you've, you've kept uh, a lot of those relationships going at multiple of these locations, but especially Sanford. Uh, yeah. I, I saw on Facebook you had, you made some returns down there uh, for some award ceremonies and just some reunions. Yeah, I put together a big reunion here a couple of years ago through the summer, and you know they they've never really gotten a, a chance to really bring back a lot of players. So, you know, you know, I mentioned it, and somehow I ended up being the uh, the coordinator of it. And no, uh, uh, my, no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, and my, every every time something like that happens, my Carol rolls her eyes because she knows you know. You know, when something event happens, I usually want to, you know, get involved somehow, some way, and end up being involved in the whole thing. And so, uh, but uh, yeah, we had a great return. We had a return all of our players, a lot of our players from uh, that we, we call the the Bowen Alsop era. Sanford had won the national championship like in 1975 for that level of football. Then about four or five years later, they they dropped football for about 15, 18 years. Then they brought it back, and so uh, so Sanford. Uh, you know, uh, it's a, probably the most beautiful campus you ever be at. But the thing is, we had such great quality kids. I mean, we were getting the kids from the the, the country country parts of, of Alabama to the, to the city parts of uh, of Florida. I mean, all, all the way, you know, different environments and all that. And so, uh, all those kids have turned out to be really good kids, good adults, good fathers, good husbands, good businessmen. And it's really awesome seeing uh, the 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 success we've had with those Sanford players. And so uh, many of them are have turned into outstanding coaches coaching in Alabama. And so, so, uh, so it one, was one to be fun. specific, right? One uh, that you did, was it you umpired baseball, softball with? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, since I was, see, see I went from $16,000 a year at, uh, at uh, Susquehanna where I really got a great raise going to uh, Sanford. I got, I was making $18,000 a year. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, so since I had so much free time on hand, I decided, Hey, uh, I lived in Pelham, Alabama, which is just South of Birmingham. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, umpire little league baseball games, uh, during that time. So, you know, they paid pretty well at that time and, you know, umpire games, no one gave me any too much lip because then they knew I could probably meet them after the game outside the gate and get after them. And so, uh, so I had a lot of fun. Well, <clears throat> You know, for two years, there was this guy that, you know, he had just graduated a couple of years from Pelham, Alabama, and is a walk-on at Alabama, always came back uh, to make some extra money. <clears throat> and uh, so for, for two years, uh, I, I umpired with this guy called named Dabo Sweeney. And I know you probably haven't heard of him before. But uh, not lately. Uh, I mean, know, I think he's he knows some things about hamburgers last time. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, but he's. You know, so uh, we would uh, umpire a lot of games together uh, in Pelham, and we made a couple of road trips, <coughs> you know, going out to the country areas and, and umpiring games. I mean, yeah, he's just a great guy. And I, I'll say this thing about Dan, Dabo is this. A lot of times when head coaches uh, become head coaches, their personality changes. Mm -hmm. All right, I know, know a few. You've mentioned a few. All right. <laughs> All right. 
there's one guy that I've met that he's the same type of guy uh, that he was when he was a younger guy, and that's Dabo Sweeney. Wow. I mean, this is a good-hearted, sincere young man who's extremely humble for the opportunity that he has and is just a, just a great guy. And he came from a, a family background that, you know, they didn't have very much going on and, and, and with family-wise and all that. And every single thing he has done, he has earned. Wow. And, you know, strong, devout Christian, you know, and, you know, if anyone challenges his Christian faith, you know, they're not going to, you know, and what he does in terms of being a leader and demonstrating that faith to his players, I mean, he, you know, he's not going to back down. And so, uh, so, you know, so yeah, chance, you know, the umpires and games and, you know, had to have some great stories uh, they, you know, dabble, you know, one time, you know, you know uh, we're umpiring a game, I'm first base and it was a bang, bang play. And, and, you know, and I called the guy out and the fans started yelling at me and they, they say, well, let's run that Yankee out of town. You know, <laughs> then I like this. Then I, oh, dabbles behind the plate and then the pitcher throws the ball, the ball hits the back part of the plate and he calls it a strike <laughs> and, all right and all the fans were oh that's okay devil you, you know you'll get it right next time i mean you know they, they just they just because they love him yeah they loved him and all that <laughs> and they're ready to run me out of town but that Dabo, i mean you can't do no wrong with devil and i mean so, you were uh, from further south than where you were at the moment probably yeah you yeah Florida, so, but you were actually more southern than they were yeah yeah <laughs> but the thing is i didn't talk i don't talk like a southerner Right, yeah, so, guy from Chicago area, and so, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, so, but yeah, it was great, and, and like I said, it, it, it was a great experience there. Then you know, in the meantime, I, I got a chance a uh, couple springs the uh, the uh, not the USFL. I want to say the uh, it's a league, not the USFL, but it was another the American league. Football League. Was it? Is yeah. that it? Yeah, it, it was like in the, it was in the. Uh, mid nineties, uh, Chan Gailey was the head coach of the mm. Birmingham, uh, Barracudas okay. of, of, of the of league. And, uh, so, uh, I went ahead and helped him out as a, you know, as a, uh, a, a quality control coach and did some work in the spring and all that. So, you know, I had a chance to do a few things, other things besides just coaching on the college level, you know, helping out on some pro teams. And, and so, so that, that was good. And so I, I was there for, Six years, Terry, Terry gets the job at at, uh, at Auburn. Unfortunately, I was not able to go with him. He kept most of his defensive staff there. That was part of the deal, him going down there. So I remained at Sanford for another year or two before I moved on to uh, to Shippensburg University in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, up in Shippensburg, that's, uh, I think that was about the time A.J. was, uh, he was kind of high school age. Is that correct? Yeah, he was high school age. I mean, I got, I got, Three great kids. Of course, you know Kelly was born. And again, here's here's another thing. You know Kelly was born uh, one week before we we had to move to Sanford. So uh, she was born in Pennsylvania. You know she she's barely uh, you know been she's only been in the house about four days. And so then we traveled down to uh, Alabama from Pennsylvania. You know on the next move. So uh, yeah, K Kelly's born in Pennsylvania, but she actually was there as a youth only for about four days until we returned oh, wow. back. To, the Shippensburg and all that, but ship our experience at Shippensburg was great. I mean, AJ was starting high school. I got the the girls involved. Uh, Katie cheer was a cheerleader. Kelly was a uh, uh, she played a, a field hockey and golf, and so wow. they're, all, they're all very active in sports. Carol spent most of the time 
uh, you know, keeping an eye on them. She was teaching. I was finally starting to make a decent salary over at, uh, at, uh, at, 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 uh, at, uh, Chippenburg. Um, so many places, it's hard to remember. And, uh, Rocky Reese Reese hired me, uh, as his defense coordinator and recruiting coordinator. And we had some great teams. We had outstanding players. We had about four or five players go on the NFL. A couple of them, uh, John Kuhn, who was the fullback for the Packers for about 10 years. Uh, you know, uh, you know, he, he had a great career over there. Uh, Brett Grimes, who, who played for the uh, Dolphins and Tampa Bay Bucks as a corner, uh, had a great career there. But uh, we really had some really n- nice seasons. And, uh, you know, and Rocky really did a great job with that, uh, that career. And so we were there from uh, 96 to uh, – uh, uh, 96 to 2002. Carol was busy teaching. We had a nice house, nice home. Then I got the call to become the head coach of Maryville College, which, you know, that meant, you know, we were coming back home with, uh, you know, Carol's family is still there. And, uh, you know, AJ had started off at Maryville and finished up at Shippensburg. Katie was down there as a, uh, going to school there. So we moved down there and for the starting the 2003 season. I was the head coach there for nine seasons, had some great success at a, at a school that really didn't really finance that football program the way they should have. I mean, everything was, uh, you know, you know, you know, we almost had to sell raffle tickets to, uh, to get some barbecues just in order for we could meet a recruiting budget or anything like that. And, but uh, you know, we, we, we played well, we had some good seasons, you know, very close with a lot of the players. I mean, you know, just look, you know, the coaching tree coming from the era I was there. I mean, you look at, Derek Hunt at Maribel. All right. Uh, you, you look at uh, uh, who else? Uh, Paul Shelton, who's the head coach at, at uh, South Doyle High School. Derek Rang, who's the head coach over at uh, Oak Ridge. We got the Price Brothers up at uh, at uh, Campbell County. And, you know, I counted the, a couple of weeks ago uh, from that Maribel tree, I've got about 24 that are, are head high school coaches uh, uh, somewhere oh, wow. along so, uh, so you know, it's 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 really good and tells that yeah we really had great kids in, in that Maribel program and so uh, I was I was just really proud to be the head coach there for nine seasons. Then you know, it, you know it's surprising to me and surprising a lot of people. Uh, you know, a couple uh, you know, I'll keep I'll keep my comments quiet. You know, decided I didn't need to be the head coach there. So then the first guy that picked up the phone to call me was Ken Sparks. Got me up there to be the uh, uh, assistant coach up there at Carson Newman and uh, been up there for for uh, 11 years and and coach uh, it's a, a winding road but one that if it, if at the last stop or or you know at the current stop at least uh, has Ken Sparks attached to it I think that's probably a road worth taking uh, but coach uh, talk about a little bit about Carol we'll, we'll talk about Ken in just a second but uh, a couple years ago what Carol Miss Carol did uh, for you for the t-shirts I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, which which one are you talking about? Uh, the t-shirt for the uh, t-shirt for every place you had coached. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was for Christmas. I was because he's done a lot of things. T-shirt, yeah. Every place you know for Christmas, I think, or you know, or one one of the the events. Uh, you know, she got a, a, she and the kids got a t-shirt for every uh, place I had been a coach at. So she she got me a football shirt for. You know, for Carson Newman, but you know, for Shippensburg, for for uh, Susquehanna, for Salem College, and all that. And so that that was really kind of neat. You know, I 
I'll still pull pull them up, and uh, you know, I'll come out one day with the uh, the, the the Susquehanna football shirt or the uh, the the University, especially the University of Missouri shirt. I, I de- definitely like that. But yeah, you know, it's you know, it's and and really, it, it's a a testament uh, of to, to be a coach's wife. I mean, you got to be a very special person, and uh, for everything that Carol has done in terms of allowing me to be uh, a football coach, you know, in 43 years now as a college coach, I mean, you know, I, I don't make it unless, you know, Carol's my wife. I mean, you know, you know, oh, sure most enough. of the time, I mean, she was, she was, she was the breadwinner. And uh, so, and uh, she went above and beyond the, the situation I, I told you about with, uh, you know, uh, when AJ was born, what she did and, and, you know, Kelly being, only they're you know born only about a week before us moving down to Alabama. I mean, you know that's what she's done. I mean, you know it's kind of funny you know, you know <clears throat> before really the internet took place on things like that. You know, I bought two houses with Carol never ever seeing the house. You know, you know, you know I I'm at a place. And you're in still alive to tell about it. That's good. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. <I'm> still still <laughs> alive. She would ask me what the carpet looked like, and I would say, ooh. I'm not quite sure. Brown, blue, I'm not sure. But yeah, I bought two houses with Carol never seen it because she was still, you know, a thousand miles away teaching and I'm down somewhere else coaching. I got to have a house by the time she, she gets done teaching to move family in. And so, so, you know, I did that twice. And I tell you what, you know, you talk about having guts, you know, I'd almost rather charge a, a line of a uh, gunfire than, uh, uh, you know, do that very often. And so, uh, but, uh, you know, so that's one of the things that we've had to do to allow me to become a, a football coach in, in the college ranks. And, and coach at Carson Newman University, I guess when you took, uh, when you took that position, it was Carson Newman College. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. and so I mean, with Ken Sparks there, the legend that he is, uh, a 300 plus game winner. Uh, what was it like to, to kind of be on staff with Ken Sparks? Well, first, first of all, you know, being at Carson Newman is such a wonderful experience. I mean, you know, you've got a, a college institution that's got the right plan in terms of developing young men and women towards a Christian uh, fatherhood, motherhood, family uh, development uh, at an institution. I mean, it's not one of these woke universities that, unfortunately, so many have uh, have turned to. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, family faith, you know, we get all sorts of uh, players, you know, they come from broken families or, or two parent families, you know, really not that many anymore, but, uh, uh, but uh, we want the kids coming to Carson Newman that by the time they finish Carson Newman, that, you know, they, they have developed themselves spiritually. All right. To whatever level they start off to where they are, uh, you know, develop themselves as, as a man, as a future father, as a husband. And that's what us as coaches uh, always strive for. And, you know, there's times where we have to close the door behind us and have a heart for heart talk with these young men. And, uh, but then when we see our players, uh, you know, we got right behind the stand called Mossy Creek. And we usually go down there once or twice a year. <clears throat> when you see a, a, a player or two go down to Mossy Creek and with our minister gets baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's something that's so heart-wrenching. And you know what that kid was like when he first got to Carson Newman, maybe from a broken home, <coughs> had very little uh, faith in, in, in Jesus Christ or the scriptures. And all of a sudden, two, three years later, 
you, you're seeing a whole different type of young man. I mean, that's what Carson Newman's all about. Yeah, we want to win football games. Yes, we want them to do well. But for them knowing that uh, we've got to, we, we're going to play an influence in their lives so that not where they are four or five years after they graduate, but where they are 20, 30, 40 years after they graduate and see the young men they are. That's what Carson Newman is all about. And, you know, and that's what satisfies me. What satisfies me is, yeah, it's great seeing these these guys uh, that have coached doing well. But all of a sudden you, you see guys that, uh, you know, like the Sanford guys that they come from, broken homes out in the uh, backwoods of Alabama. And now they've got a, a, an outstanding business and making lots of money and living in houses a lot better than I am. And, uh, uh, and you know, they're doing so well. And so that's what coaching is about. But most importantly, that's what Carson Newman's about. And, and Ken Sparks led the way to just being a, uh, a a great leader, mentor to so many people, including myself. And uh, you know, and he's he, you know he, you know he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ setting the way, and uh, you know, and he's he certainly has uh, led the way for many people, including myself. I'm a better man for being up here, Carson Newman. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and coach, I'll tell you this: like one thing that you shared throughout that history. And this is just really a compliment to you, a compliment to Carol and your kids is um, I can tell just in hearing that history that your drive throughout your whole career was building relationships and, and meeting, meeting new young men and, and meeting new people and, and just building on that year after year. And, and you continue to do that today. And that's just a really yeah. a compliment to your character. Uh, I appreciate you for sharing it. I mean, it just really speaks volumes about you. Um, but I want I want to shift gears. I'm gonna ask you I'm gonna ask you a football question here because I'm a I'm a very okay, good. That's about me. Yeah. So so um, you know a lot of defenses now um, you'll see formations where they they bring three, drop four, or uh, you know they won't. I've started to develop an opinion where I think okay, you know most defensive coverages if you're disguising blitz packages, whatever it may be. I can very rarely see situations where you only bring three defenders on the quarterback with this RPO. But I, I'm curious from your perspective, um, do you like uh, philosophies of bringing more than four defenders on the quarterback in the backfield? Or, or, or do, you see, do you see times where it is important to only bring three defensive linemen on the quarterback and drop more defenders back in the backfield? Yeah, I, th- I think we've I've evolved where I used to be just a very standard – Doc, I used to like blitzing, you know, our defense coordinator, Carl Reese. You know, I remember we played Nebraska and uh, we had uh, 75 defensive snaps and 61 were blitzes. All right, against <laughs> Nebraska. <Wow. laughs> His philosophy was one in doubt blitz. And that's kind of basically the, the, the way I was. But but I think in, no, in today's I game, I yeah, in today's game, I think if, you, you're, if you're stuck on one type of a defense and all that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So you've got to be multiple. Uh, you've got to be able, you know, and I, I like to be aggressive. I, you know, you know, I like zero type of coverage and going blitzes, but you've got to be able to, you know, do the uh, uh, the field zone type of blitzes where you're bringing four or five fr- from the side, but you're dropping the backside into coverage. And so you're, 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 you're constantly trying to figure out ways uh, based on their formations, how to outflank them, you know, based on their formations. And there's a lot of times, you know, we'll call like an, we'll call adjust, adjust. And so just based on uh, 
the offensive formation, our linebackers will call out a defensive strength, either right or left. And, you know, we're coming in that direction. And so, you know, so we're doing a lot of type of defensive things that it's not going in right when the coach singles in, but it's really letting our linebackers. And that's why, especially our linebackers, they've got to be really uh, smart and intelligent on being able to, to figure out what, uh, you know, defensive offense fronts we're looking at and to call the, the type of a stunt or blitz that we, we call for for that play based on that formation. And uh, so uh, we don't, if they're sliding, you know, if they're sliding their offense based on a formation, their offensive line to the right side, you know, we don't want that blitz coming from that right side. We want that blitz coming from the backside. And right. so, so it's, it's, it's really turned into, you know, a chess match more often than, than not. But, uh, you know, but I think you got to have blitzes, obviously, but you've got to be able to mix in with your blitzes, zero blitz, which means it's man up. All right. That one guy gets busted. I mean, you're probably going to give up a big play or you're man free where now you get that free safety over the top to help out or your zone blitz. And you got to be able to really implement all three. So to play defense nowadays, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. Mm-hmm. That's why I knew that uh, when I had a choice to play offense or defense, when I first went to Maryville College, I knew I wanted to play defense because I didn't have to think as much. Now yeah. I may might want to be on the offensive side because, you know, there's a lot of thinking going on the defensive side. Yeah, so I brought you, my son home from football last night, and uh, he, he said, Dad, I want to play uh, defensive football. I like defensive football. I go, why, son? He goes, because on offense, you got to remember too much. I, I like that's I right. to be playing <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm telling you, I mean, you know, there's sometimes I walk out of defensive meetings and I'm saying, God, I, I mean, how are these guys even remembering it? But you got <laughs> to do it because, I mean, if you stay in a, a base type of front or coverage and, you know, you know, the offenses are, are way too smart now and the quarterbacks in their development, I mean, they know how to uh, go and attack that type of front or your, your package and then you're in trouble because you're not able to adjust. So you've got to be able to you know, have a three-man front, four-man front, three-man front with six defensive backs, all these different type of packages. I mean, it's, you know, and we we go through it, and like I said, Coach Slade is an expert at, at uh, putting these packages together, and so, you know, that's that's where we are right now. So, Coach, uh, speaking of thinking too much, sometimes I think rules committees might think too much. Uh, what would you call a rule that uh, – what rule during your, your time as a coach has helped the game the most? And then what's hurt the game the most? Well, I'm just going to say, to me, targeting both ends. Oh, you're just going to stick it to one. Yeah, I'm going to stick to one. See, now, I, was, to I, I, was on the, I was on the NCAA committee that first introduced uh, – the rules committee that first introduced targeting. This was back in about 2008. And so, uh, you know, where it gets, uh, you know, we wanted, we were seeing a lot of video of, of wide receivers against a cover two, too deep, where the receiver's doing an outside release and the ball's being thrown in that void area between the corner and the safety. And the, the safety, he's not even looking at the ball. He's just it's running just and launching and just to take the head of those wide receivers. And it's just amazing those wide receivers didn't come out with broken necks or some serious type of injuries where, you know, you know, they're being taken straight to the hospital and not being able to be moved again. And, uh, and, and the, the defensive backs were not even playing the ball. And so, uh, 
So we wanted to do, do that to take away. So we, we, that's when the targeting rule first <clears throat> kind of started uh, was the, uh, you know, during the time when I was on the uh, AFCA Rules Committee and, and the NCAA Rules Committee. And so, I mean, that, that's what it did. But what's happened, it's, it's evolved. It keeps evolving, you know, to where now if that receiver went across the middle, I say, yeah, I understand that. But sometimes, you know, it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, I saw a couple penalties on targeting where the running back ran, zoned up right into the B gap. Linebacker stepped up to make a hit while the helmets collided and the linebacker was called for targeting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, they're, they're taking, you know, football is a tough man sport. And sometimes, and I understand trying to take the helmet out of it. I, I get it. But sometimes, you know, you know, I think it's gone, you know, way overboard on a few things. And so, uh, you know, if they would just kind of get back a little bit more to, to reality and uh, uh, be able to uh, 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 really re- look at the rules and seeing what's part of the game, what isn't part of the game, go in and try to break a guy's neck for, on a, an illegal hit, yes, all right. But sometimes just going up and playing football, you know, what happened would happen is that, uh, you know, you, you, you'd get a big old quarterback that could run like, uh, you know, what we see, and all of a sudden he's, he's not scrambling. He's lowering his head into the linebacker. All right. But the linebacker, you know, he gets charged for targeting because, you know, he's the defensive guys. And so uh, I think they, that's one area that they need to look look at. But I, I enjoyed my time on the rules committee. I mean, uh, um, one, one of the rules I call the Tony I. Ruley rule, which AJ hates. All right. You know, first of all, the rule committee said we have to meet on, on changing these rules because we got to take away all the rules that University of Miami broke in the 80s. <laughs> All right, you know, those are the wild days of the days that there were no rules, and so, uh, so, so my rule that I, I, uh, I kind of authored was the uh, uh, the taunting rule, where the receiver catches the ball, he's, he's bats everyone, and he turns around about the 10, 15 yard line, sticks the ball up, and starts waving at everyone and taunting so them, and all that goes through. So, you're not a fan of prime time, is that what no, I'm getting? No, no, unless he's off on the sideline. So, uh, so, so, so we changed the rule from uh, now that becomes a spot foul, takes away the touchdown, and plus it's 15 yards penalty from the spot where you did that. Well, isn't it amazing that after that rule came out, that all of a sudden you don't see that anymore? No, right. and they wait till they're out of the end zone doing all that. All right, but uh, yeah. you know, and I'm not real big on all the things that goes on in the end zone after they score a touchdown, but you know. That's just me, but uh, you know, old you know, school. Uh, I got you. Little old school. Uh, you know, another rule I kind of authored was the one that uh, they would line up with three men on the center on PAT field goals and just blow up that poor center or blow up that guard trying to block the kick. And and they changed that to where now you're only allowed to have a guy in it, one guy in a gap. And so, uh, so, so there were some good rules that was changed during the time I was there. Wow. That's awesome. So, Coach, uh, very much like our radio time, you know what we're going to have to have with you? Round uh, number two. Round two. We're going to have to have an episode two with the the Coach Tony Irelli. But I do have one last thing that I wanted to bring up, and and I do think it's fair because there was a lot of things in your coaching career we talked about, but there was one thing that we didn't talk about. And it's really – I just want to know what it would take to get this thing back. Uh-oh, and it's uh-oh. the uh, oh. Tony Iruli stash. I just feel like this was a good <laughs> for you, Coach. 
Uh, there's some playing day picks, and then the middle one is the coach I really pick. Man, uh, there, was, uh, there was a good stash back in the day. That's a beautiful. That's that, a that, that, was a Tom, that was a that was a Tom Selleck look. <laughs> well, uh, if, yeah. if the stash wouldn't go gray, all right, you know, I probably would be still wearing the stash. But hey, so, so tell the story about how the, the you had a Fu Manchu there at Maryville College as the yeah. one of the pictures showed. But when you're, uh, five, when you're a five foot nine linebacker, all right, you got to try at least look mean. All right, so that, <laughs> that's why I had the stash there. Yes. Oh man, I, I like the I like the neck roll that goes along with the stash. You know, you got that you got that neck roll there as a linebacker. That's right. It was a two collar neck roll because you know when I would you know it was got to the point where whenever I tackle with my left shoulder. I would pinch a nerve in my neck. So I had didn't have the single neck roll. I had the double neck roll. Ooh. So, so, and so that, uh, you know, whenever I would hit, you know, I'd have it all protected. So I had the stash. I had the, the double <laughs> neck roll. I ran the 40 in about five foot five, 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 four, five, five. And uh-huh. so I was, I was, believe me, I was your AB gap linebacker. There you go. And I'll, Appreciate you finding those pictures of me. Really good. I will say, uh, remember, the Italians have a way thing. to get back. Hey, <laughs> Facebook's a beautiful thing. Hey, that's, that's right. But, I'm going uh, on Facebook and find yours right away. Lock me out. Yeah, here's the thing I'm ugly whether I got a mustache or not, coach. So it's Thanks. good. But, yeah. uh, but coach, yeah. man, what a, you know, I've heard a lot of that stuff before, but it's still just, uh, you know, the winding road of careers, or whatever path that is, yeah. is very interesting. But the fact that, I mean, you were in a bunch of different states, you worked with a bunch of different coaches, and just by, you know, you talked about your coaching tree at Maryville, but just the the coaching trees that you were a part of, I mean, yeah. those are some, that's some lineage that's, uh, that not many people get to, to walk in those shoes. And it's cool to talk through it with you. And again, from a state champion in uh, in high school, and uh, to now being, uh, like you said, I'm older, a young man. I get to see transformations on the football field, but probably more importantly, off the football field. That's yeah, just cool. that, that's why I love. It. I mean, like uh, I just completed my 43rd year as a college football coach. Not, not too many people are doing that, and I still feel like I can go another five to seven years. And uh, so uh, I, I love coaching football, but I, I love the thought that knowing the fact that somewhere down the line, that 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 kid coming from a broken home who doesn't have very little faith in, 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 in Jesus Christ, who academically struggles, who socially struggles, then seeing that kid 15, 20 years from now, being a great father, being a great husband, being successful. You know, that's, that's why coaches, you know, should be getting coached, not to go make that big money, which of course would be nice. All right. But uh, still, uh, you know, that's ultimately that's what for. And that's why, you know, I, I stay in a lot of contact with guys on, on Facebook and all that and seeing their families and, and they, they know what uh, Tony I really is all about. And again, you know, I'm blessed because I've got a great family with AJ, Katie and Kelly and, and their, their spouses and, and my grandchildren. And I'm, you know, you guys know them. And I, I'm very fortunate to have uh, just a, a, a great family uh, uh, to be in, be around. And that, that's where my blessing is and all that. Well, coach, you like I said, you've you've kind of expelled some blessings on other people too. But I I appreciate you talking with us. Like I said, uh, we're going to go ahead and get the ink ready, get you signed up for episode number two. But uh, really need uh, need some more uh, down the the coach I really path. So well, uh, I appreciate it. Let me just say one thing. 
you know, I really feel like my family's blessed because not only do I feel like I we've got three great kids, but they married three great spouses. Sure. And Nathan and Joe and Tracy. I mean, you know, we you know, we would not have the family we have today if our children did not uh have their their those uh three as their their uh I don't know what we call spouses, husbands, wives, whatever those is called. Like, but uh, that's where our blessing is, and seeing those seven great. You know, one day that's going to be happening. You guys, you know, you know, we Carol and I, you know, we don't have any money saved because Carol spends it all on the grandkids. You know, they, all they got to do is say something, to Carol, and she's buying them something. And you know, which that's is way hey, it should be right. Yeah, yeah, hey, I can't argue with that. I say go for it. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, it's great being with you guys, and I look forward to having an opportunity to be with you guys again. We will do it. It's a it's a done deal. But coach, uh, as we did on radio, we're gonna sign it off for Coach Tony. I really been Mets. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and this has been the grind. But until next time, guys, take care, be safe, and yes, grind on. Right.